The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. First, a shout out to Clay Patton for filling in for me the last couple of days as I took some vacation time back in the saddle. And it's been a rough ride as it continues off of yesterday. Sam Hudson joins us from Corn Belt Marketing. And, and Sam, really, you look at these markets. We dealt with so much limit down trade yesterday, both grain and livestock. It is almost like Groundhog Day all over again today, seeing some big drops once again in the corn. And I think just starting there, we're just really re- off of yesterday's WASDI report. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Groundhog Day, Twilight Zone, whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, the shocker, you know, with uh, you know the yield actually going up may have been the biggest culprit, in, in my opinion. I think there's you know there was a decent sized crowd out here, including myself, that was kind of looking for acres to fall where it did. Um, but to see the yield go up under the perception that it can do nothing but go down, along with the fact that we still printed 90 million acres, and there's really nothing to back up the idea of an immediate supply change in a bullish fashion. Uh, and, and unfortunately, it's happened at a, you know, maybe the worst possible time because you had a lot of people still hold on to some of this whole crop grain out here. Um, you know, convinced that USDA is wrong, the prices were wrong, that the acres weren't out there, yield wasn't out there, supply wasn't out there, whatever. And now, unfortunately, between now and first notice day for the September contract, you might still have a decent chunk of the last of this old crop. It's got to move through a really tight hole in terms of timing um, or be subject for an anniversary charge if it's in commercial storage. If it's not and it's on farm, then it just becomes, you know, when do you want to move it before harvest if you feel like you still need to? So, you know, that, that becomes our conundrum now that you got people caught uh, with a deadline. And next couple of weeks, uh, I, I think that becomes our risk and be interesting to see these basis markets. I know we're continuing to hear about some of these ethanol plants slowing down or shutting down. Um, and it would not be all surprising to see, you know, the basis market start to fall apart a little bit. Uh, if it's not, you know, it's a good sign of some demand to come. And I think that's the silver lining in this. Everyone was talking about a silver lining in the report. I don't believe there really was one. If you look at the soybean, you know, metrics, you can certainly argue that, uh, especially when we look at the long term, if we start bringing demand back to the market. But at this point, you know, in my frustration with the yield cut in June, we rationed demand for a couple months that we probably didn't need to. And now, unfortunately, we may have to do the opposite to make up for it, send the market low enough to find the demand again, start building a base, and then we can start looking to climb the mountain. Well, you talk about many people being caught between now and, and month end. As they look at their numbers, they look at where they're sitting, what are some marketing ideas that they can utilize, especially with the ramifications of yesterday's report and so much questioning coming out of those numbers? Well, I generally kind of had an opinion, you know, even after some of these market drops that I had of this report, I didn't want to have a lot of the old crops sitting around. But at this point, I think what you look for, at least what we've done here more recently, would be um, whether it's sold or not, you know, that's independent, future price is independent, but from the merchandising standpoint, uh, we rallied the September, December spread back to about seven cents here last week. Obviously, we've weakened that up again now with the liquidation going on. Even just today, you saw September corn futures lose, uh, what was it, three cents against the December, uh, closing at ten and a half here. So th- that's an indication that you're getting some additional selling again that, in that September contract. The longs have to be out by first notice day, whether they're long futures um, or not. And if you've seen that basis improve, that spread could still get worse here as we go into delivery. So don't discount that possibility. Uh, and keep in mind, basis can move ten cents at a time for no reason and can kind of be here today, gone tomorrow type of type of deal. So if some of these processors or commercials know that there's supply coming at them, whether they want it or not. Uh, they may not stand on the tracks for too long, um, you know, given what they've had to pay here over the last 
couple months. Well, and it's not only the corn that took a hit. As you know, before we started this, we were talking about ethanol, and they took a huge hit as well on the future side. Yeah, I think that's part of this in the background on the sentiment, too, that, you know, we want to look at this report and say, oh, you know, you know, USDA this, USDA that, and I get it. You know, do I agree with all of it? No, but at the end of the day, that's what we've got to live with. Uh, but keep in mind that some of this is, is you know, some of this policy and, and how this has unfolded here in the ethanol market. You know, yes, we got E15 last year, but E15 doesn't mean anything uh, if the law of the you know, renewable fuel standard is not going to be upheld or, or policed at all. And, and despite a circuit court judge, you know, ruling that that needed to be done. Uh, the EPA continues to issue, you know, uh, small refinery waivers. 31 and 38 announced last Friday, uh, and ethanol prices have taken a big hit, and they were down, uh, you know, three and a half percent or more here today. So, um, it's a mirror image when you look at price action in terms of corn ethanol. And again, I think if there's a silver lining here, maybe we finally get cheap enough now to stimulate some demand. Maybe pushing those bushel, those last fuel crop bushels out the door, and pressuring our cash markets just in general will open up some doors at the Gulf of Mexico to, to start moving some of this corn out of the country again if we can't um you know we're going to be you know sucked on this report and, and maybe the subsequent ones here moving forward but at the end of the day it's still a little bit uh, hard to believe where we stand today on the supply side given what we've been through can we say soybeans are the shining star today in the trade uh sure i mean i don't know why not i mean we're you know staring down the barrel here of only harvesting in my opinion 75 million acres i mean i, I think that we've got to cut another 900,000 out of that to get there i think we can i think it's difficult to see to make a case for yield going higher in beans. Uh, I'm not saying it has to be cut dramatically. You may just have a very consistent bean crop out there, but the whole crop, may have had, in my opinion, has had limited potential because of you know, lack of sunlight and just the lack of, of, of a lengthy growing season in general. Uh, these areas where we've just received rainfall here, the beans are looking a lot better, but up until that point, uh, you know, very few blooms on there, and regardless of whether you get rain or not, in some of these areas are just going to run out of time. That plant will start to turn because of the weather uh, and our sunlight here, and, and, and really probably this week or the next couple of weeks. So, yes, it'll be interesting to see where we go moving forward. Um, you know, I think you're going to have just as many arms in the air if you see USDA go down with yield now in September based off of objective data. It just seems like every report we get, there's a different methodology uh, or a different branch of government that's giving us that uh, information to digest. You know, and there's a few producers I've talked to said the beans look great in the sense of they're, they're filling, they're lush, they're green, lots of foliage. But when you get in there, there's not a lot of pods to be found. Right. And, and I think that's, you know, evidence of, of, you know, just how late it got in. You, you, if you think about when we've seen, you know, average plant dates uh, on these beans here the last few years where we've really pushed the, the, the yield envelope and, and seen 80, 90, 100 bushel, you know, yield and some of those whole field averages, it's because they were planted in, in April, in some cases even March. Uh, or early May, and we didn't get the, the chance of that uh, in a large degree. And heck, for all intents and purposes, you had a third or more of the crop that was actually put in after June second. Course coming up, it's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson's joining us with Corn Belt Marketing. Let's just, before we move on to livestock, we did have the FSA information that was released yesterday as well. Kind of coincidental that they came out with it just in a few minutes of each other. So as you guys looked at those markets yesterday, how much of an influence or was it even an influence on what you saw in the trade? Uh, I, I don't believe it was. I believe it was. It wasn't. It wasn't. I believe it was an influence because I, I think we finally got um, you know in the ballpark here now on these acres. I don't think you're going to see much of a change now. Um, you know, given what I saw happening firsthand in the first week of June, I was not surprised to see this. I think, and that says something about the farm economy. You know, going into this thing, is the prices were literally so low. 
that it forced the, the farmer to try to do this. If we had had base prices, you know, like we saw in 2010 or 11, and base price of $5 a really good insurance guarantee, it, it would have done the opposite effect, and, and we would have actually had a more bullish situation because it would have been easier to walk away from it. So it was literally the grower's only you know, chance at a bigger opportunity. And when you look back at the timing of when the USDA made the yield cut, I think it only fueled the fire back in June and could end up being the biggest detriment into all of this. But when we go back to the acreage itself, um, you know, yes, FSA printed a lower number, but keep in mind that doesn't include you know, acres that are in the government that aren't in the government program, you're still going to have a little bit of a fudge factor and some adjustments moving forward as that data becomes more complete. And keep in mind, we also have to kind of uh, remember that that planted acreage includes cover crops. And I think that's probably uh, one of my biggest arguments moving forward that we should see a change in. And I think, uh, you know, I was disappointed to not see that harvested acreage percentage come down more yesterday. It was just a slight, slight change. And it's just hard for me to see that being true. Um, you know, the yield is independent of that. I, I'm still kind of shocked at 169 and a half on the yield, but I believe the acres. I don't believe the harvest of acres yet. Um, and it'll just be interesting to see the timing and when they adjust all this. But unfortunately, we're out of time. We're close enough to harvest, and they, I don't know if they can make an adjustment big enough now to really turn things around the way we want it to. Jump over to the livestock side as, as we take a look at this cattle market. Boy, it would be nice to say we had some positive excitement, but another really tough day for cattle. We saw the expanded limits and again, some limit down trade. Yeah, I mean, the amount of money, and you and I kind of referenced this before we went on air, just the amount of uh, dollars sucked out of the ag economy here. Just, you know, we can talk about the last couple of weeks, last month, but even just the last two days, um, it's been something to be seen. Uh, to think that uh, a fire like that can cause this much of a disruption, it almost seems like on paper when you read about it, you know, six votes around 6% of the kill or 5% of the daily kill or something. Um, you know, you wouldn't think it would be so disruptive to a market like this, but when the money starts moving, uh, it starts moving. And unfortunately for the producer, what I see in this is you're going to see, you know, beef prices at the counter stay elevated, maybe even go up, go up. Uh, yet the packer is going to sit here and, and, and force the producer probably to, you know, hold back these cattle and ultimately take a loss because that bid will be so poor to keep themselves in check that they're going to be the ones that, the producer will be the one that has to to make an adjustment. So I think this will end up being overdone when it's all said and done. Um, but, you know, finding a bottom, and this is true for the corn market too, finding the bottom first is, is key, and you've got to have that demand to, to do that at this point. So, uh, but yeah, the very few days you see corn and feeders limit down and, and really not too far from seeing that two days in a row, unfortunately. So what does tomorrow bring? Uh, you know, I, I would expect that we're going to have a lot of jitters. I think, you know, the fact that you close this market, uh, you, you did close step feeders down the limit, uh, but we don't have two consecutive contract months. So I think that says something in the sense that, you know, you're getting to the point where people probably aren't really wanting to chase it much. Uh, if anything, maybe you saw some liquidation, some panic selling under, under a little bit of lower volume market because of just all the uncertainty in general. And, of course, live cattle going limit down had something to say about that. It just took the feeders that extra mile. Uh, so I think you've got to see some stability in the, in the live cattle. If you do that, um, the feeder market could get real lively because keep in mind where cash has been trading and keep in mind what corn has done in the meantime too. So we're going to have a pretty aggressive snapback here, but, uh, you know, let the market prove itself first. Let it, you know, let it put in a low first before uh, anyone steps in there to try to take a position. And the hogs had some early support, but it didn't last long. Are they because of what's they happened in the cattle? Yeah, I think there's just a little bit of confusion there. You know, it seemed like, uh, you know, the hogs were leading the way lower. And then when they finally acted like they wanted to post some support, then they, you got this going on in the cattle market. So uh, I, I think you can stay optimistic as long as this December contract can hold, uh, let's call it like the 63 level for now until we, you know, get all of this jitters out of the live uh, live cattle market. 
Um, when you look at spreads and, and cash, you know, lean hog index, you know, we're back on the rise. The trend is higher. We're seeing a little bit of a correction there, but you got cash back above 80 and you got this October contract at 64 and a half. So as long as we can continue to, you know, slowly see these, these pork exports and, and see the cash market lead the way, I think you can hold some optimism in this. And, and I think we have to know that eventually this, this ASF thing is going to still have ramifications and we're going to feel the effect of it, but it can never happen fast enough. And in the meantime, we've overproduced to prepare for it. Well, this is, if not the most important time as we get ready to head towards harvest and obviously the fall workings of our livestock to keep that line of communication open with, with folks like you, Sam, because we know literally things have been changing by the moment. So the best way for them to reach out to you and maybe sit down and do a marketing plan if they haven't done so, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, go to 800 uh, or call 800-655-3380 if you want to find more uh, about what we can offer for services. Go to www.cornbeltmarketing.com. All right, sounds good. And, of course, you can follow Sam as well on Twitter. That is a look at the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.